If you want to improve your relationship, learn to love your wife the way Christ loved the church. He did whatever it took, which included giving his own life. If you can learn to love your wife so selflessly that you do whatever it takes for you to be together forever, it'll change your perspective. There's going to be times when you don't feel like you have anything left to give. You've been giving all day long. The most significant person in your life, you don't mean to, but she's the one that catches it because you know she's closest to you and you feel like you've given everything. The way Christ loved the church said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do whatever it takes, even when I don't feel like it, even when I'm exhausted, even when I've had one of those days. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. And boy, do we have a pair of exciting guests lined up for you today. Today's guests have created an incredible, incredible thought leader-driven business. They are the hosts of the legendary podcast, The Vision Driven Marriage. And they bring Christ and God into the work that they do in a way that's elegant, poignant, and beautiful. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the two, the only, the legendary Doug and Leslie Davis. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Doug and Leslie. Well, thank you. We're thanks. so glad to be here. Thanks, Nikki. It's good to be with you. So guys, you know, the folks who listen to this show, they... Don't tune in every week because of me, because I'm here every week. They <laughs> tune in because they want to learn from you. But before they can learn from you, they got to get to know you a little bit. So tell us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Doug and Leslie Davis? Well, um, several years ago, God laid it on our heart to do a marriage ministry. And so at first, it started out with live events, and uh, we still do those, but eventually God laid it on our heart to do a podcast because we knew there were a lot of marriages that were, regardless of where they'd started out, they wanted to be able to draw closer to each other, and they wanted to be able to honor God in their marriage, but they didn't always know how to do that. And so uh, Leslie and I have been married for 34 years now, and so... Our, our big thought, though, at the time was, why would anybody listen to us? Because, you know, we've only had a, a small amount of experiences. Uh, we haven't been through things that everybody's been through. Why would they listen to what we have to say? And God broke our hearts to, to share what we know, because it's not about us. It's about what he wants to do in those marriages. And so sharing what we know, um, the Lord laid a vision on our heart for the vision-driven marriage because we know that in a relationship, if, if there's not some intentionality, right. you know, then we know without that intentionality, you're just on autopilot and you're just going through life and then life gets away from you and you've accomplished, you know, nothing more than the mundane stuff of life. And God has bigger plans for us than that. And that's why we entitled the podcast, The Vision Driven Marriage. And we, we come from uh, two very different perspectives, although they mesh 
very, very well together. Leslie has uh, been doing counseling work for a very long time. She counsels at our church and uh, has a master's degree in counseling. And she comes with a perspective that is such a blessing to me because she's able to see things uh, from someone else's point of view when I often don't. Um, I've been the pastor of uh, our local church for 17 years. And so, uh, you know, I come with a pastor's heart. She comes with a counselor's heart. And together, God uses that uh, beyond what either of us could do by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Okay. I love it. So, guys, what is a vision-driven marriage? How do you define it? Oh, my gosh. A vision-driven marriage. You know, when, when you get married, we got married really, really young. We were 20 and everybody was like looking at us really funny. Like, like, why would you get married so young? But we knew, like, we knew that we knew that we knew that the Lord had put us together, you know? And, but anyway, it wasn't until a lot later that we had some, to put some intentionality into place. And when we began to put some intentionality into place in our relationship, God began to bless that. He began to protect us in ways that we didn't realize um, that he was protecting us in, you know, so a vision driven marriage is a couple that understand that when they have a biblical view of marriage and they've submitted themselves to Christ and they have that vision for their marriage that comes from the Lord, that that drive into that marriage God is going to protect that. He's going to bless that. He's going to multiply that in ways that um, it, it's miraculous. We don't even understand half the ways that the Lord blesses but, marriage. But it has to do with intentionality, because when you just go with the flow, you can find yourself in a place that's it's nice, but it's not necessarily the, the calling God has or the purpose that God has for you. And so having a purpose... Uh, from God is what drives the vision that we want to encourage people to to mm-hmm. seek after, to to be intentional about the way we communicate, to be intentional about the way that we humbly love one another, to be intentional about the way that we outdo one another in showing honor. I mean, that's one of the biblical commands. I'd encourage all of your listeners to to strive to do starting right now. God says, outdo one another in showing honor. Mm-hmm. If you start by doing that in your marriage, you're going to see that uh, God doesn't, you know, God doesn't want your marriage just to survive. He wants you to thrive. Mm-hmm. But the only way that you can thrive is to do things very, very intentionally. Okay. So let's face it, guys, for the last almost 60 years, marriage has been in trouble in the Western yeah. world at the very least, right? Um, there's a lot of reasons for this probably bigger than the scope of this conversation that we can have today. And someone's listening to this episode, their own marriage may have broken up. My marriage broke up. They um, know someone whose marriage is broken up Mm -hmm. and they're maybe concerned that their own marriage could break up, even if it hasn't broken up today. So I'm, I'm looking for like nuggets out of here that I can extract to bring to the people. So one of them is, outdo one another in showing honor to each other. So how do you do that? Give me some examples. Okay. Well, one of the things, uh, you know, when you talk about honoring a relationship, it means showing that person that they are very important to you, that the relationship is important to you, that that person is important to you. And one of the ways that, one of the ways that I show honor to Doug is that 
I, you will not hear me bad mouthing him out in public. I, you know, he won't hear me bad mouthing him to him. You know, that's just not something that, that I do. If I have a complaint or if I have a concern, I will come to him humbly with questions and I will be seeking a solution, you know, but you will not hear me talk badly about him anywhere. Right. And, and the same is true with the way that, you know, I, I talk about Leslie, not only to her, uh, there, there's never going to be from my perspective, there's never going to be any locker room talk because that wouldn't show love and it wouldn't show respect. It wouldn't honor her. And she does the same thing. You don't get the beauty shop kind of talk, you know, that where, because, you know, it's really easy for you to get around your, your friends and, and, and start to compare notes about things. And at that point too often people start thinking about the conversation they're in instead of thinking about honoring their spouse the way they should. But another way that, that uh, Leslie and I honor each other is we have a different approach, even with something as simple as the way that we get frustrated and, and argue with each other. Um, when we get into an argument, uh, especially early on in our marriage, I wanted to work it out right now. I wanted to sit down and deal with it right now. And she wanted some time to cool off. And, uh, you know, she would like to just take off. And to me, that just frustrated me more. I wanted to talk about it right now. That frustrated her more. And so I can show honor to her when I see that she's frustrated. If I recognize that she's frustrated first and I know she needs time, I can go against what my own desires are. Let's work this out now and give her time as a way of showing her honor so that we can have better communication and uh, be able to love each other. Again, it's that incredible intentionality. And she does the same thing when she recognizes that I'm frustrated, even though she really doesn't want to deal with it right now. She'll sit down and deal with it in the immediate because she knows that that honors me. And how I tell the difference, like, you know, when I can sit down and, and work something out quickly or when I need time to go, it depends on how I'm processing things. And if I need time to process like what's going on, you know, I'll just say, look, I need some time. I have to process this. And, you know, that comes with the level of maturity because when we were first married, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of anger and grief going on at that Mm -hmm. point. And it, you know, it, it turned into some, some fights and I needed that time to go cool off. And, you know, it, at first it was, I need hours and hours, you know, but we've gotten it down to about 15 minutes. That was our compromise. You know, <laughs> let's, let's just chill out for about 15 minutes and then come back and, and work through this. But what I learned was that he was working to create a safe space for me to come back to when I didn't have that in, you know, in my family of origin, I didn't have that safe place to come back to. So there, there was never that safety net. I learned very quickly that he was creating that safety net, that it was safe to come back in 10 or 15 or 20, 25 minutes and not spend hours and hours away because that safety net had been created. You know, one of the other ways that we honor each other, we set a boundary that we would never spend, spend more than $500 without consulting each other first. So one of the ways in our relationship is that setting those boundaries and honoring those boundaries, you know, so that's just, that was one of the boundaries that we set in our relationship and we've never spent more than $500 without consulting each other. 
first. And, you know, that was just a boundary that we set because it was something, again, that was being intentional about including one another. We could do those things. We could spend that money individually and probably 99% of the time, uh, the other one would be fine with it. But we've chosen to do that uh, to make sure that we honor one another, include each other, being really intentional about how we do things. You know, a couple that does things together stays together. I mean, I've heard that be said before, and I've actually said that, you know, when you're including each other in the things that you do, it's more likely that you'll end up staying together rather than having a whole bunch of separate lives. You guys want to talk a bit about that? Well, I think uh, we did a podcast not too long ago on the different types of intimacy, and Mm -hmm. that would fall under recreational intimacy doing things together. And there's a lot of things that we do together that I like to do. And a lot of things that he likes to do, but I do them too, you know? So we just, even though they're not all that, that fun for the other one, like we intentionally work together to do some of those things together. Occasionally he'll go shopping with me. He does not like to shop, I do not, (laughs) but he'll go shopping with me, you know, and there's times when, and I've enjoyed them. We've gone to baseball games together and um, go Cubs, and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so we'll, we'll attend a baseball game or two together. And, and that's always fun. But as far as, as doing things together, I'd like to encourage your listeners to realize that you really have three completely different types of opportunities to do that. Find the things that you enjoy doing together. There's a lot of things that Leslie and I both love deeply. And we just make sure that, that we Do those things together as often as possible. But here's another nugget throw out to your listeners. Um, It also gives you an opportunity to have transparency that you wouldn't have otherwise when you do things together. And here's something that's been a blessing to us. Even if I know that Leslie's got a busy afternoon and I'm going to go do something, well, later this afternoon, I'm going to go walk. Um, I try to walk three miles every day. And so I'm going to go walk. And even when I know she can't go with me, I sincerely invite her and let her know that, you know, I I would love it if you'd be able to come. Would you like to? And not because I need her to go, but I need her to know that I would that I enjoy her company would like her to go. And so even if, you know, you can't go and you say, no, thank you, I can't. That, that kind of transparency is a blessing too. So it's not just doing things together. It's having that open relationship where you're always willing to include your spouse. Mm-hmm. And so find things you like to do. But number two, do things that your spouse likes to do, even if you don't. Leslie mentioned that, you know, I will occasionally go shopping with her. Shopping to me is not fun at all. I'm, <laughs> I'm the kind of guy, get in, get it, get out. That makes me happy. She can spend all day shopping and then we end up back at the store. We started at and get that first thing. But but to her, you know, there's recreation <laughs> in it. And, and, and I understand that. I, I don't have to love everything she loves. Loving her is enough. And so going to do some things uh, with your spouse because your spouse loves it is something that I would encourage your listeners to think about doing. But then also... Um, making sure that that you are able to um, meet all of your challenges together. When you talk about doing things together, one of the biggest difficulties that I've seen couples struggle through is when uh, when they face a challenge, 
they go to their own corners and they try to figure out how to best deal with the challenge instead of dealing with that challenge together. You know, it may be something within your relationship. It may be something at work. It may be uh, the loss of a loved one and you're grieving, whatever it is. If you have challenges, realize that being able to, to meet those challenges together is going to be something that's going to make your marriage stronger. That's very powerful. Facing challenges together. That's true. You know, um, it's so easy to just say, I'm too busy. You go deal with your thing. I'll go deal with mine. Right. It's so easy to do that in this day and age, but facing a challenge together, doing things together, it's really your message is like one of togetherness, right? Mm -hmm. Do more together yeah. and less apart. Right. And, and I know that sounds easy to understand, but it's not always easy to do. You know, it's something, again, you have to, you have to make up your mind to do the, to do things that will allow you to be together. Because if you just go with the flow, the time that you're together will be very, very limited. Yeah. Amen. 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 Um, okay. So tell me more. What are some of the other precepts of the vision driven marriage? Well, well, I think one of the things is always, of course, the, the biblical principle of being quick to listen and slow to speak. Um, one of the things I know that makes me feel incredibly loved in our relationship is that Doug is so quick to listen and very rarely do I not feel heard. Even if sometimes when, you know, what I'm talking about is, is really not important He's very quick to listen and make it make me feel important just because I have something to say. Right. You know, communication is something that I know is the undergirding of nearly every relationship that we're ever in. But especially uh, in a marriage, uh, being able to communicate um, is something that I think is so misunderstood. People think that if I talk to my spouse, I'm communicating. But it's only communication if what you're saying is heard. Um, you know, you can talk and talk and talk. If it's not heard, you haven't communicated at all. And so uh, not only listening to your spouse, but making sure that you ask questions while your spouse is talking to you so that you don't make assumptions. Um, we are very, very different. And if I make assumptions about why she is feeling something that she's feeling, I'm going to be wrong most of the time because we're not wired the same way. And so I need to ask questions. I need to, to gain understanding. I, you know, listening is, is active. And when you actively listen, uh, you're able to, to not only understand your spouse better, but uh, there's an incredible safety in knowing that you're heard and knowing that whatever you share that it's safe to share it within the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so I would encourage your listeners to, you're probably going to do it wrong for a while before you do it right. But don't give up on being an active listener, asking questions and understanding what your spouse is trying to say. Yeah, that's very powerful. That's very powerful. Okay. So, so guys, um, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Yeah, I get that. And especially, I, I think that's important for men to do inside of uh, marriages because a lot of us don't mm. do that uh, as often or as well as we could. So what else is important in a vision-driven marriage? Well, as as we look at the rest of the communication, I think the, the, the biggest thing 
is to be able to come alongside one another and help each other and actively, actively communicate the things that your spouse needs to know. Um, we take so much for granted. And so I think that one of the, the biggest things in a vision-driven marriage is to limit the number of unmet expectations and especially to limit the number of unspoken unmet expectations. And so that's going to be something where we constantly communicate. Um, Leslie, uh, she needs to know that I've recognized what she's doing and that, that I uh, see what she's doing for what it is. And so it, it, it's not that she needs my approval. That's not it at all. She just needs me to see what she's doing. And so as I communicate how much I appreciate what she's doing, it's it's not for any other purpose other than us to uh, acknowledge what's going on. But I, I want to get back to the unmet expectation part. Too often couples end up with fights and they think the fight is about money or they think the fight is about uh, sex. sex or. But the, the reality is there was an expectation that wasn't met. And the frustration boiled over. And by the time they get down to the, the verbal confrontation, by the time they get down to the fight, uh, the spouse who's been hurt has been hurt for a long time. And they kind of think that their spouse has been in their brain, but they haven't communicated well at all. You know, so like if you want your spouse to take out the garbage and you're mad because they didn't, but you never said, would you take out the garbage? Do you see how unfair that is? Um, and so what I see over and over again is couples who end up having real legitimate problems that started with an unspoken, unmet expectation. And those expectations are generally, I mean, you know, you hear the statistics are that you hear that couples generally fight over, like the three main things that couples fight over are money and sex. And what's the other one? I forget. Money and sex were the two, <laughs> the, the two the biggest, two ones. biggest and ones. And then, of course, right? uh, and then if, you know, if they have children, it's over the, you know, how to deal with the rearing of the with children. With the rearing of usually. the children. But was, generally, it doesn't come down to, I mean, if you unpack those things, generally what's going on isn't that the argument is gener- is really about sex or really about money or really about the kids, it's unmet expectations Mm -hmm. that are unspoken. You know, it's like, well, I had that expectation that, you know, we would discipline on this issue, or we would allow this issue to go when you're talking about raising the kids. But in fact, they never spoke about actually how they were uh, raising, you know, how they were going to raise the kids and what issues were important, you know? And, And again, the reason that this becomes significant People who end up struggling to the point where their marriage falls apart and they think it's not salvageable. First of all, I want to encourage you you to seek after God because Mm -hmm. he can salvage even the things that feel like they're completely unsalvageable. Mm -hmm. But when you get to the place where you feel like this is is beyond being able to be redeemed, typically the reason that, that people get there is because they they are really frustrated that something that's really really important to them isn't important to their spouse, and and it it usually does come down to those unmet expectations and too often unspoken unmet expectations. So look, could could I encourage your listeners to to understand this? Um, be the things that your spouse could ever be tempted to look for elsewhere. You be those things for your spouse. You know, 
you won't have emotional affairs if you're meeting your spouse's emotional needs. You won't have sexual affairs if you're meeting your spouse's sexual needs. You won't have uh, the the breakdown about money because it's never about having enough money. It's about what to do with the money you have if you have expectations about how you're going to deal with money. So regardless of what the, you know, you won't have issues about how to rear the kids. If you have expectations, spoken. You know, they spoke and expectations about here's, you know, you need to have my back or whatever it is. And so be that thing that your spouse needs. So your spouse never has to look outside of the marriage for it. And, and again, that requires some real intentionality. You know, but you you reduce emotional affairs and sexual affairs if you're providing the emotional and sexual support for your spouse. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't you talk about the difference between an emotional and a sexual affair? Just make that clear for well, not everyone gets what I think. I think an emotional affair, you know, if if there is um, an, an emotional separation between a spouse and, and, and their spouse, like they don't feel emotionally connected. They don't, they're not sharing things in common. Um, they're not sharing fears. They're not sharing dreams. Um, they're not sharing, uh, emotions, how they feel about things, whether it's love or fear or disappointment or, you know, whatever the emotion is, if they're not sharing those things with their spouse, there's going to be a disconnect. And, you know, let's say one day at the office, there's a comment made, oh, I really felt disappointed about that. And then you realize that you have the person's ear that's sitting next to you. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry that, you know, you were disappointed about that. Is there anything I can do to help you? And next thing you know, they're talking and they're discussing the the disappointment and the emotion. And that makes that connection right there. Not that talking to your coworker is bad, Right but you haven't shared that emotion with your spouse first. So if, you know, if your spouse isn't encouraging you, but somebody, you know, somebody of the opposite sex at work is encouraging you. Uh, if your spouse isn't uh, saying you did a great job, if your spouse isn't uh, letting you know that that they value some of your traits and your hard work and uh, but somebody else is doing those things. You know, you can find yourself having lunch with that person, never having a sexual relationship, never having a physical relationship, but you call them and you text them and you have lunch with them and they're filling the emotional needs in your life that your spouse should be filling. Yeah, uh, too good. often, too often what we see is the, uh, those emotional affairs um, cut as deeply or deeper. Oh, yeah. Than the sexual affairs, the sexual affairs often are over very quickly. The emotional affairs tend to tend to last for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had numerous couples in my counseling office that are dealing with just that issue. You know, they, they found out the, the spouse found out that this, the other spouse has been having an emotional affair and the length of time of this emotional connection is what caused the damage in the relationship because it had gone on for years. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Makes sense. Sure. That's powerful stuff. That's powerful stuff. Okay. So I'm going to do a rapid fire thing with the two of you guys. Uh, All right. And, and then we'll uh, move to wrap up. So Doug, um, yes. put yourself in the shoes of a man listening to this. Who's in a marriage. 
mm-hmm. and speak from your your own experience. How would you tell him he needs to show up differently? Top three ways for his wife. He needs to show up differently for his wife. For his wife in, in his marriage. What can he do better and speak from your own experience? And then Leslie, right. I'm going to do the same as a wife. Top three <laughs> things that a wife can do is that she needs to show up differently inside her marriage to be better for her husband. Okay. The uh, the very first thing um, is actually something that is is easy to say and hard to do. Happens to be scripture. Um, in Ephesians, husbands are told to love their wives the way Christ loved the church. And so what I would say very first thing is if you want to improve your relationship, learn to love your wife the way Christ loved the church. And let me explain what that means. I know that all of your listeners love their wives, but how did Christ love the church when there was nothing we could do to get ourselves to him? We'd send, we were separated from God. He did whatever it took which included giving his own life so that we could be together forever. Um, I would encourage your listeners to, to really prayerfully seek God's leading on what that looks like, because if you can learn to love your wife so selflessly that you do whatever it takes for you to be together forever, it'll change your perspective. Um, there's a lot of, so that's, that's the first thing, love your wife the way Christ loved the church. Um, and what that's going to do is there's going to be times when you don't feel like you have anything left to give. You've been giving all day long. You've been at work. You've been giving. Uh, after work, in, in those little groups that you lead, you've been giving. And you come home and you just feel like there's nothing left. And by accident, just by default, you end up letting down the person who's the most significant person in your life. You don't mean to. But she's the one that catches it because, you know, she's closest to you and you feel like you've given everything. Learning to, to love the way Christ loved the church said, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do whatever it takes, even when I don't feel like it, even when I'm exhausted, even when I've had one of those days. Number two, uh, understand that your wife is going to uh, need things that you don't understand. Ask her to clarify rather than dismissing her um, because, you know, there's things that don't make sense to us as guys. And, and I'm sure that the ladies who are listening uh, have experienced the frustration of this. Every wife that I've ever talked to has been frustrated because she's asked her husband, what are you thinking about? And his answer has been nothing. And her response is fine. Don't tell me when the reality is as guys, we were actually thinking about nothing. Ladies never do that. And so what you, I mean, never, there's never a moment where she's thinking about nothing. She's always thinking about something. And so understanding those differences, gentlemen, this, this second thing is huge. Understand that your wife is going to need things that don't make sense to you. They will not make sense to you. Ask questions, figure out what she needs rather than trying to either change her to be like you, which would never be a good thing, or by dismissing it because you don't think the way she thinks. And then the third thing that I would encourage uh, the men to do uh, after loving your wife the way Christ loved the church and making sure that you you listen to the needs that your wife has. uh, The third thing is don't ever, 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 ever stop pursuing and chasing her. Uh, Do you remember when you were dating? Do you remember the way it was when you were dating? Do you remember how you would drop her off at her house and you would drive home and immediately you'd want to talk to her again? You'd be right on the phone. Um, That 
kind of pursuit is something that should take place for the entirety of your marriage. Now, if you you know you've succeeded, if you can make your kids go ooh gross at least once a day. <laughs> I love it. That's good. My favorite one's the last one. All right, Leslie, you're up. <laughs> All right. My three things are, one, wives, you need to encourage your husbands. They have a hard road to go, being the provider, being the leader, and you need to be able to encourage them and tell them how proud you are of them and that they're doing a good job. You know, even when sometimes the job that they do, you don't understand um, just because we don't think the way they do, you know, but encourage them in, in the ways that they feel encouraged. Okay. The other one, the next one, I'm not going to go into detail because this will be between you and your spouse, but ladies keep it spicy in the bedroom. Okay. (laughs) Be what your husband needs you to be. And if that means it, well, okay. I'm not going into it, but keep it spicy. Ladies, keep it spicy. Right. And the third one is respect him, respect him, give him the benefit of the doubt and be respectful in your words and your behavior, because it makes a difference. Even when you don't think it's making a difference, it makes a difference. And you have to make sure that you do your part. So gentlemen, I told you, Mm -hmm. you need to love your wives the way Christ loved the church. And Leslie just shared with the ladies to respect your husbands. It's easier to love a wife that you know is respecting you at all times. And it's easier to respect a husband who you know is loving you selflessly to do whatever it takes to stay together. And so you might be thinking, your your listeners might be thinking, well, that'd be easy if my wife would just do her part, or that'd be easy if my husband would do what he's supposed to do. Let me just encourage your listeners. You can only clean up your own side of the street. So husbands, do your part, regardless, regardless of whether it's received or not. Love your wife the way Christ loved the church. And wives, whether it's received or not, do your part. Respect your husbands in the way that the Lord is leading you to respect your husbands. I got to say, I learned a ton from this. This was like a free coaching <laughs> session, a class and how to how to do marriage and relationships right. I really appreciate it. God bless you. One of the great things about doing the Thought Leader Revolution podcast is I speak to the smartest people in the world in their area of expertise, and I get their best advice. That way, I become the Renaissance man of the ages. I'm in the middle of the modern era. That's that's pretty there incredible. There you go. So, guys, those are our three expert action steps from each of you. I thank you for this. People want to find out about you, your podcast, your work. Where do we send them? Well, we have our website, um, heartcallministries.org. And your listeners, if I would encourage you, if you were thinking that your relationship might not be a fair proof, we've created a quiz that you can take to find out if your uh, relationship is a fair proof. And I'll leave it up to you to put that link in the show notes. Would you do that for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Great. And then also, uh, also you can listen to our our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Mm -hmm. It's the Vision Driven Marriage and a new episode drops every Friday. So um, separately, Doug, I run a men's group. It's not a, um, it's not a denominational. So it's not a Christian. We've got people that are, you know, Muslims, Hindus from all over, but it's all we, what we share is we have a desire to help elevate and uplift men and make them all better in all areas of their life, including their marriages. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk offline. Maybe you can come and uh, observe what we're up to and 
uh, might be able to get you to, you know, be an advisor for us and share some of this stuff because I think this is very, very powerful stuff. Every every man should learn what you have to say here, Doug, and every woman should learn what you have to say here, Leslie. It'll make the world a better place. If we can heal family, one family at a time, we can heal the world. Amen. That's right. That's right. Amen. So, um, Thanks for coming on the show. It was great to have you. Thanks for having us. I we, appreciate it. We appreciate it, Nikki. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's incredible guests, the two and only Doug and Leslie Davis, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this podcast, be it iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, and what have you. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice.